0: reflections are And may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained. When they act upon intention, all beings are the owners of their action and inherited results. Their future is born from such action, companion to such action and its results will be their home. All actions with intention, be they skillful or
1: So I'll uh, (coughs) scoop up a bunch of questions that uh, (coughs) maybe fit together in some some way. (coughs) So one question: What is what is right view? question what is meant by the ending of karma does this mean having no intention how can one function without intention what should we do when we encounter enmity and ill will whether from strangers or from harmful friends <laughs> and family oh, well <laughs> Someone goes through distressing stages where I feel confused and jittery. Any attempt to stand back and define what's going on just adds to the pain. My approach is to bear with it as best I can, coming as close eye as I dare to the bare experience and letting the breath and body calm me. Eventually, I get some clarity and it gets easier from then on. Is this an inevitable part of the process or am I missing something? <clears throat> The most, how, as the Buddha's disciples, may we understand the most untellable non-story of our time, global ecological degradation and anthropogenic climate change? Seems this is the case, our collective actions have caused the conditioning to bring about conditions unsupported for human life, not to mention countless other life forms. What is the scope of our responsibility? Now that we are collectively informed about the effects of increasing carbon in the atmosphere, sometimes I feel I need more personal guidance. How important to develop a personal relationship with a teacher? What's the difference between being with pain in a way that weakens the patterns behind it and being with the pain in a way that strengthens the patterns? What are the strengthening and weakening factors? so these do all sort of fit together but um, not exactly as you can see the topic's rather (laughs) ranging (laughs) Uh, but uh, so what I discern what I would say here there are two two points here that unify these various topics one is relationship and uh, one is causality <clears throat> and this is exactly what right view is about <laughs> uh, so causality and this is the karma is one is the is the ethical aspect of causality hmm. so obviously if you put You know, two molecules together they form some other chemical. That's not karma. That's just uh, that's elements. That's a law of nature. So karma is one of the what are called the four nayamas, or four universal laws. And karma is the law that uh, uh, governs the ethical uh, cause and effect, good and bad. You could say it means action. So what it doesn't mean is predestination. It means action. And it's... uh, um, There are results of ethical ethical actions, ethically based actions, intentions, uh, affected through goodwill or ill will, through confusion or clarity, through heedlessness or mindfulness, through love and generosity or or whatever... Give corresponding results, results called vipaka, and they give results essentially in the mental sphere. So, just so kind of be, that's an aspect of right view, causality, and what, how that underlies the rest is because it does, in fact, uh, um, to touch into the ecological topic. You know there are consequences of actions based upon ignorance, confusion, or even when we do have the information, still kind of not paying heed to it. So there are consequences in our minds, but also these consequences can play out on physical and ter- physical terms. But the immediate is, the, is that we continue to be ignorant and uh, over-consuming and not tuning into more sensitivity to renunciation letting go of a few things uh, and so forth or collectively working together to try to cooperate and uh, uh, and so forth so you know this is this you say is one of the one of the themes of um, this ecological topic that i think you know you can touch into in the context of this retreat other aspects about you know wind farms and solar panels and so forth is a bit outside this particular topic but I think what is important is to recognize cause and effect and also um, relationship is the other big thing and that's also an aspect of right view uh, there is mother there is father, there are guides we can look to, so for inspiration, for guidance. So there's things we can relate to. And that sense of relationship is a fundamental principle of Dhamma. It may... And it's important to bear that in mind. Because often, you know, we get the model maybe of being on one's own or solitary or internal, and that would seem to be not about relationship. But of course what I'm trying to emphasize is that when we're even solitary, quiet or talking to other people we start to relate to our minds and our bodies and there was a question someone asked about how can I control my mind how can I control my crazy mind well, essentially you've got to get a better relationship with it it doesn't get controlled <laughs> um, but you cannot let it control you you see what I mean? So you don't have to believe or follow the impulses that you feel are confused and crazy. But essentially, looking at uh, cultivating a relational paradigm towards our thoughts, our impulses, our instincts, our sensations, our bodies, uh, our intuitions, and, so forth, and of course, towards other people. So the, the Dhamma is essentially holographic, What you do in the microcosm, you do in the macrocosm, what you do in your own body-mind, you carry the same principles to around you, to the world or to whatever you touch and contact around you. Try to have these consistent stomach principles. uh, Cause and effect, how do I act? What's coming forth from me? And uh, what does this make me? this is a thing we can be sure about. We can't always know that our good actions are going to help anybody else. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but what they certainly will do is they'll help make our own minds stronger and clearer, and uh, that's going to be for our welfare and for the welfare of others. So it's a very sound principle, causality, cause and effect, and responsibility, Uh, sorry, relationship, relationship. Mm And if we recollect the example of ten parami, they're all relational. It's how I'm generous with something, how I am truthful about something, how I'm wise with something that's happening, how I am determined about certain pieces of behavior, how I establish loving kindness towards something. You you, you can't have them just as theories that you hold and you can list them. They're, They're actions that you do. The, you, you do truthfulness. You do renunciation. You do generosity. Yeah. You don't kind of analyse the st- structures of it. You just you just do it. Mm. So then it's, it's, you have to do it to, to something else. Yeah. And, and in so that's relational.
0: Mm.
1: Karma is relational. We act upon something. We act in certain ways, we bring forth some, some action towards something, towards another person, towards our own hearts and minds and bodies, towards the planet. And we're trying to get that action clearer and more uh, something that we feel uh, ennobles us and, and is uh, bright, clear. This is the principle of karma and relationship which underlines the right view, and actually there are there are many ways or several ways to, to which right view is described. But underneath it, there's always the sense of uh, um, mutuality. So dependent origination is a relational thing where this gives rise to that, this gives rise to that, this gives when the right this arises, that arises. With the arising of this is the arising of that it's a simple? Um, with the ceasing of this is the ceasing of that with the ceasing of ill will is the ceasing of the impression I have of others of being that Dharma is relational and it's in it's it, when we look at it more clearly, even more fully in, in meditation, you get right close up to it um, then the, the important thing to To begin to uh, bear in mind, just by witnessing clearly, by widening your lens and noticing what happens, is that uh, I don't actually do any actions at all. Um, (laughs) I don't do any actions, but certain actions create me, certain actions, certain impulses or intentions. Generate a sense of what I am. So when I, when it comes up a malicious intention, it it, it configures my heart in this way. I feel like this particular. So 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 that the, the the immediate arising of action is the arising of the, of a configuration of self. So saying, self is a dynamic form, and it's, but it's often taken as a static unit. It's a dynamic form that's continually arising, uh, dependent upon intentionality, intentions and impressions. So something happens, we feel. I feel like suddenly I'm blamed. Someone is asking about the eight worldly winds: praise, blame, gain, loss fame, ignominy, happiness, unhappiness. So when they'll, when they'll blame wind blows at me, I feel lessened, small, crushed, indignant, or whatever. When they'll praise sunlight shines on me, I feel grand, lifted up, you know, bright, and so forth. So, you know, the, the, these impressions generate the sense of self as an object, me, me, and the actions that occur as response come, generate the sense of I as an agent. Hmm. See so what what comes comes what is received in consciousness, what is received, what is taken in, as it's held, generates the sense of I am. You know, um, this is me. This is me as an object, and then the response that comes up generates a sense of. Well, I'm doing this. So, as you study this, you look at, you begin to look at what, uh, or you begin to realize what, what do, what do things make you? As I was saying the other day, in the the uh, story of the person with the the boss and the argument, notice how the argument is creating you, it's creating your boss as well. The argument, this conflicting thing, is creating you as. Frustrated, irritated, annoyed, lessened. The boss is, you know, it's created the boss as domineering, intolerant, you know, stubborn and so forth. The argument creates, you know, me and and you. So the relational quality creates the two people. Obviously it doesn't create their bodies, but we're looking at these psychological forms that arise as myself. And a lot of the, so we can see that many times we let things lessen us. We get pressurized, and we get compulsive. We get, you know, seduced, and we get eager. We get inflated. Get a load of praise, you start to inflate. A load of blame, you start to contract. So you're just going up and down like a whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> And then when I, then I think I don't like this I'm going to get out so then I get it creates a spite for me or revenge for me or resent for me you know? and I am the agent is generated through the intention so it's a way to say that karma creates me rather than I create karma it, it, really really when you look at it closely and where does, where does karma come from Intentionality is the intention where does intention come from contact contact and 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 confusion contact is something creates an impression there's a being rattled being uncertain about that taking it in as me and therefore there's the bounce back hmm? yeah so contact is the source of karma now, often we may think contact is just you know something touching something else like me striking the bell but that's purely material there's nothing in that there's nothing in that really, it's just striking the bell there's, not, there's nothing essentially, there's nothing in that uh, it's just empty things knocking against each other the important piece of contact is the arising of that impression oh, it's time to go to work Oh, something strikes us inwardly. That's contact. That's the important piece of contact. Something touches me inwardly. So we hear the bell and we think, oh, nice sound. Or we might think, time to go for the meal. Or or we might not even notice it. Or we might hear the sound and think, what's that mean? But generally in meditation centers, these bells acquire iconic significance. I mean, this is the end of the pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, ah, happy bell. <laughs> it's time for the meal. It's time to get up. It's time to walk. So happy. The bell is not happy. It's not kind. It's not merciful. <laughs> it's not doing anything for you at all. But the the impression in one's mind is the bell has left me let me off the hook. You know, what? A, suddenly the the the. Uh, Authoritarian master who's sitting like a rock, where you're all squirming and struggling, becomes the benevolent deity, letting everyone <laughs> get up and move. So, so they, you know, things change, don't they? And what's changed? It's changed because of the contact impression, what that means to you, how that strikes you. Yeah. So, if someone uh, praises you in a language you don't understand, you go, I, I, I think it's down there. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking for directions or something. You know, the, the, the words are hitting your ear, but it's not getting the the contact isn't happening. You say, did you not hear it? Yeah, I heard it. But you didn't. You didn't get it. The contact is that shiver in the heart of got it, got it, got it. Now that's where intention arises from. You get it and then, oh, you rise up. That's also where the perception arises. The perception of of, oh, uh, well, that's a bell. It's time for the meal. It's time to get up. That perception flashes into the mind, the act of recognition. So the world arises from contact. You know, we jumped a long way from the meal to the whole world. But your world, the world you live in, is continually arising from contact, from things striking you, from looking at the timetable thinking, oh, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, that impression. From you know the hundred and one things that you see touch hear read that mean something to you i'm in this world yeah you know. so you know if you read newspapers you're in this world of horrible atrocities if you read a poetry magazine you're in a world of lo- lyrical sentiments or whatever you know and so the world arises dependent on contact what's meaningful to us what strikes us and of course, contact itself is also very relative. You see a dog, and you just got bitten by a dog yesterday. Dogs are nasty, snarling, vicious creatures. If you see a dog, and you've had a lovely dog, you know that you cuddled, and it died three weeks ago. The dog is a lovely, sweet poodle, pooch. What is it? <laughs> you know what's the perception that arises, and how it's true but it's not ultimately true. The dog is both a lovable pooch and a nasty, snarling, vicious creature. And probably something else as well. If you're a rabbit, you know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, perceptions, contact, perceptions, they, they define the world, You know, loosely speaking, which is continually bubbling up and they define the sense of me so I see something that strikes me as lovable I feel uplifted something agonising I feel depressed I become that I feel a sense of deep concern frustration or whatever so it formed, continually forming me out of contact so I arise dependent the me arises dependent on contact and then the the volition what I'm going to do about it arises dependent upon those perceptions. Don't create it, they're dependent on it, which means it's not like you hear that sound, you will always do that. You hear that sound, there's the potential to act upon that way, in that way. So it's not inevitable, it's a necessary condition. In other words, there has to be some contact for there to be an intention to arise. But the nature of the intention, you can change it. You can hear that sound and say, "No, sit still." You can feel that, and you can change the intention. You can see something that that causes you fear, and you can say, "Wait, pause. Just check that out. How how is that really something to be frightened of? Is that?" You can see that person that makes you feel annoyed. And you think, "Just a minute. Let's look at it another way. This person too is subject to aging, sickness, and death. This person too is." Having their problems and distresses, this person too, you know, likes happiness, does not want unhappiness, and suddenly your, your, your perception of the person starts to soften and change, and you think basically it's just like me. <laughs> you know, it's me, it's just another me, really, in some other being formed by other things. So, we do have a chance to, right there to change our karma. We can. You know, receive the impression, what it makes me. And then we get a chance, instead of me coming from my, you know, frightened defensive place or my accumulative or my compulsive place, I can feel that pausing. And that's the important piece pausing, that's heedfulness, it's the pause, check it out. You know, contemplate, you know, check it out. Do you want to be that one again? Do you want to be him again? Do you want to be her again? That way you go into your, your thing again. Do you do you want to be that again? Is it really something that is is you feel is good, helpful, the best it can be? Or is it something you say, wait a minute, I could just wait on that one and trust what emerges. Pause, trust what emerges when we've softened the the, the realities a little. They are dependently arisen. And uh, this is karma, causality, and you've got a chance to change it right here, that <laughs> moment of arising. And you change it because you don't want to be that same, you don't want to keep being created in that same old pattern again and again and again. You, you know, when you've been round that wheel a few thousand times, you think there's got to be another <laughs> thing I, <laughs> I can run on, you know and this is the way we often intimately work out our our uh, start to work out what's called working out your karma colloquially speaking it means you take responsibility for it mm. so instead of being in a world of fixed realities where i can't do this and everybody's that and she's this and he's that and i'm in this and i'm in that when you see the fixity anywhere when you see something solid permanent lasting fixed eternal Anywhere in the universe, that's the one you've got to watch out for. And the most important one to watch out for that's fixed, eternal in the universe is me. (laughs) That's the one you can, because that's the one you can most directly get to the me, the I am. And uh, so this is, uh, you know, so every time we, you know, you you see, this means that when we look at things like global issues, Instead of, oh, you know, what do you do? I know what I do. I say, you know, turn the power down. (laughs) Or I say, you know, I do something, a little bit. I'm not going to save the world. I'm going to save my world. I'm going to save me from going into the hopeless, defeated, what can you do anyway, attitude. Where does that take me? I'm going to make one step, one movement that makes me feel, I have responded with sympathy rather than with the, uh, you know, Ignorance is that which is always throwing our options away. Always throwing our freedom away. And when we practice ignorance, we keep practicing throwing our freedom away. And uh, this can be done with great gusto. And <laughs> conviction. So, really, the, the point in it is that you, you, it's not, liberation is not about Getting liberation—it's—it's it's about stop being so ignorant, stop throwing the, your freedom away, and that's not—you know—I'm not saying you're all stupid, but on that moment where we don't take charge, we don't recognise what's arising, don't get with it—you know—there's the place. You do not—you're not, not going to get them all, but you might get one, <laughs> one of those habits. You might just catch one that's really peaking or really—you know. Being, you start to see this is getting really solid and compulsive let's catch this one and check the scenario of it yeah. me and my job me and her that kind of thing uh, what we see in another person what we, what we, how, how other people become solid realities for us and sometimes uh, not, very, not very agreeable ones how they cement us into particular positions of subordination or domination or over responsibility or under responsibility, you know, the kind of whole relational paradigm you know, that we, we get stuck in. And something, and it's actually once they get stuck, we want to find the solid fixed thing. You know, so I could get the solid fixed thing that I know what to do. But there isn't a solid fixed thing, there's wisdom. There's clarity, there's awareness, which is always empty, and it's open, and it's sensing out the relational paradigm, it's sensing out cause and effect, it's sensing out self and other, it's sensing out what seems to be permanent and lasting, it's sensing out where's the suffering in this one, where's the stress building up in this one, it's sensing that out. Hmm. So when we come down to something like you know being with pain for example what's the way that weakens the pattern behind it and being in a way with the pain being with the pain in a way that strengthens the pattern what's the difference between being with the pain in a way that weakens the pattern behind it and being with the pain in a way that strengthens the pattern well the difference is one way strengthens the pattern The other way weakens it. (laughs) And you know, (laughs) it's wonderful that that one can even conceive, yeah, that it it doesn't have to be strengthened. You know, there is a way to weaken it. I don't know what it is, but there is a way. And you start scoping it out. Like, where does it seem? um, Particularly look at your relationship to to, um, uh, pain. Mostly pain. We want to get rid of it. So that's a pretty fixed position. Uh, and then what does it bring up? A sense of impatience or intolerance or frustration or annoyance or disappointment. This shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be that way. So there's a stuck piece that you can work on. As far as I know, um, you know, whatever I say to pain, it doesn't seem to go away. You know, it, you know, so we try that. It would be nice to the pain, meta, 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 it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can wriggle it around a bit and it moves somewhere else. I just oh, got rid of it, oh, it's gone up to my shoulder now. There's my hip. Yeah. Put a bit of force onto it, no. So, you know, what can shift is, is the me. Yeah, so the being so that instead of being created by the pain as frustrated impatient and so forth, I and mean, you know, then you therefore my responses uh, come from that place, the pain create, what is created by the pain is more like compassion. Everybody feels pain how there's a sympathy with that when we establish correct relationships there's this primal sympathy resonates so rather than an action of what I do coming up with an answer of what to do what you want to do is come to a place where it's not what you do but how you are with that if there is the primal sympathy of it's like this now it's like this now there's a loosening of and a changing of the intention And this is, so then even if the pain is still there, it doesn't matter.
0: Hmm.
1: The mind can even withdraw from that, without not rejection, it just doesn't become a concern. It's like when you're living next to traffic, after a while you don't hear the traffic anymore. But if you've gone out there, if these cars are quieting down. How can I make the quiet cars quieting down? If only those trucks would be quieter. You keep going out to the traffic, trying to make it go away and quiet it down and stop it. Traffic just gets louder and louder. If you say, so traffic is traffic, you know, here I am. Then there's a withdrawal of emotional energy from that particular um, source. The contact impression changes from being annoying traffic that's bothering me just being a sound there's no harmful intention Mm. sound doesn't decide oh I'm going to go into that person's ear and give them a hard time there's no intention at all but the contact impression of dislike makes sound a malicious nasty thing done by malicious nasty insensitive people I think sound is just created by sound. You know. Feeling, feeling does what feeling does. Feeling feels. That's its job, is to feel. There's no particular agenda. doesn't say, that person's about to enter John. let's give him a quick jab in the ribs. <laughs> There's no specific, doesn't dislike you, isn't trying to you know, do you in, it's just doing its job, being a feeling. So that's its job, and your job is to let the feeling be a feeling. Now, this so, the, what will tend to weaken something that sort of has a psychosomatic quality to it is just that shifting of intention. Shifting of intention begins with shifting of contact. Yeah, shifting of the contact, the meaning of it. You might say. We step back. Actually, you know, see what your frustration, your irritation. Can you relax that? Just be with that. Yeah, and letting your intentionality shift. Soften. Relax. Or turn towards something healing. May this be well. May it, may it pass in peace. May it be it's the way it is. May it pass on. Or stay if it wants to. So it's, it's that changing of intentionality, the changing of contact impression, the changing of intentionality, changes how I am, how I am being configured by pain or pleasure, or praise, or blame, or sounds, or sights. Hmm. If it isn't a problem, there's nothing to be fixed. Coming to that place, of course, this is, this is, the, this is the subtle work. It's, it's, not, it's not a snap, it's not a cinch. It's the subtle work of how do we come to that place, viveka, Stepping back, someone is mentioning here, um, distressing, state. feel confused and jittery. Any attempt to stand back and define what's going on just adds to the pain. My approach is to bear with it as best I can, coming as close as I dare and letting the breath and body calm me. Well, that's how you step back. It's, It's... to the bareness of the experience. In other words, one is seeing it just as it is without the uh, proliferations. And if you're letting the blood, breath and the body calm, you, you're you stepping back into that. Yeah. So stepping back, again, this is just the, a term to try to define the quality. You could call it letting go. You could call it um, dispassion. It's, it's this nature, something loosens in one's trying so it's the trying that stops there is a a shift the shifting of intentionality is uh, important for the shifting of how we're being configured by things and as we shift intentionality the contact changes as well suddenly that which was really unbearable when I've started to loosen up my response to that becomes just, well, yeah, there it is. Yeah. So so you you can t- change it around. If we're less compulsive, ignorance means just the lack lack of true, clear wisdom in relationship. Yeah. The lack of that doesn't mean you're... you're you know brainless or stupid, it means the function, the clarity of wisdom, the touch of wisdom, the hands on fully there with wisdom is not happening, therefore it takes over a certain compulsive habits and the the, the compulsive habits are the vipaka aspect of karma and it's as we have as the actions have happened before they 'll keep acting that way because a wave form has been created, a particular pattern has been created, and with patterns the easiest thing in the universe is to, just to keep doing the same old thing yeah by, by default, things once they've found a pattern, will just keep doing it you have to interfere with them in order to change the pattern so, so yeah and things will keep going the same way you said let's get a herd of sheep you know running across a field, you put a wire say, 10 inches uh, uh, across uh, a gate, first sheep jumps over the wire, second sheep jumps over the wire, third sheep jumps over the wire, fourth sheep jumps over the wire. Take the wire away, the fifth sheep still jumps over the wire that isn't there (laughs) because it's following the form. (laughs) And I think we do the same thing (laughs) sometimes. You follow the flock because the habit, yeah and perhaps in the day it's rather like that you follow the form the waveform that you're used to you've got your routine, your system and so on uh, you know, you get out and say a cup of tea, quick you whatever know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just these minor points of seemingly inconsequential things where you just say just a minute what would it be like just to stop that, that's, that's renunciation just, what would it be like yeah. Stop that, and it certainly there's the confusion because when you interfere with a wave pattern, it's it's confused. There's interference, but then if you pause on that, something else can emerge out of that. A new a new form can arise. The beauty of it is that there is a, a fundamental sanity that's trying to get through. You could say, yeah, you know, because the sanity, truth is actually a better, more sustainable, more nourishing, brighter form than confusion. So when we interfere with the confusion obsession patterns, what will emerge if we pause, and wait, and listen in is some movement towards the true, the good, the beautiful. We don't have to do it so much as listen out So that which emerges, that which arises, and then follow it. You get these what like intuitive insights Hmm. about you know. This is what the whole process of you know insight as jnana as as revelations or that's a strong word, but uh, momentary flashes of of true understanding is about that moment when we've disturbed, blocked, checked, paused around a compulsive pattern checked our karma, our karmic intentions pause and then there's a shift and something else emerges Hmm. so that that, that shifting
0: Hmm.
1: means that piece, that karmic pattern has momentarily been broken changed so this is what's meant by ending karma Ending the ongoing compulsion pattern. You're ending particular karma specifically, not as a principle, but the continual way in which I act in that you know, fearful or aggressive or controlling way, I've checked it. I've seen something else happen that feels better. I don't have to do that anymore. So this, is karma. this is how karma ends it's little bits little bits, little incremental pieces of things that I've seen of behaviour I think is true, needed, necessary me, mine, the way the world is and I've checked it oh, really? do I have to be that again? maybe I don't what would it be like without it? I remember a, a few years ago, yeah you know, it was well I was, I'm the abbot of a monastery, which uh I could say quite a bit about, but yeah and I get to be this yeah, there's a responsibility I'm a, I'm a responsibility person, you know that particular habit. You know, see something, I'll do it and I'll, I'll serve, and I'll do it it's not necessarily bad but it does get compulsive so that's how you get into position to responsibility <laughs> 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 and you think, you know, well they, oh, then they need actually, am I I'm needed you know I need to do this otherwise Things will go wrong, things will fall apart. Yeah, if I feel some bit of resentment, actually. Why do I always have to do this? Why does everybody need me? Why is everybody leaning on me? All these people leaning on me to make everything work. Responsible. Yeah, yeah. Lazy, irresponsible people in this monastery. Me, responsible. <laughs> I'm so good and responsible. You know, it's kind of... <laughs> I don't like that voice, you know. Feeling so grim, grim soldiering on, not you know not being appreciated. Everybody else just goofing off, and whatever. You know. What a world I've created! You know, from being responsible, so at the time I thought, I've had it. I've had enough. I quit. And so I said, you know, I'm just coming to the morning and evening meditations. The rest of it. Forget it. People went, uh huh. So right that's laid back. Monastery just went on exactly the same as before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe a touch here and there different, but basically you know, what do you think you are? <laughs> and what a world you created from apparent good intention. I mean to be responsible is a good intention, isn't it? to help out is a good intention once you create a self around it and a compulsion around it, and then you create other people in in the mirror image of that as the people you've got to help and get going and so forth, you create them, you create this or it creates them, and it creates you, and you get stuck in it, and you feel stuck in it, and you feel resentful, fed up, trapped in it <laughs> suffering. You know, what good's that? And then just that sense of, just that feeling of, I've got to stop, change this, this is just, this is not, you know, surely. There you are, following the disciple of the Buddha, following the way of liberation, and you're modeling complete compulsion. (laughs) Looking miserable about it too. It's supposed to be showing people the way to suffering. So I just just kicked back. you know, I sat back for about two months, just laying around, looking at things, <laughs> drifting around, feeling a bit inconsequential, <laughs> vague, drifty, aimless. People just cruised along, world kept, kept going, didn't make the headlines. Nothing happened. You know? Wow, what a you know. A little bit of karma ending, or at least getting checked, seeing for what it is. Karma creates me. Contact impressions, the impressions of it, it needs. You know, it's, not, you know, it's not the way it should be, I've got to fix it. You know, creates me as this, and then I arise as the do it all, know it all, everything. Seemingly good intentions, but steeped in ignorance, (laughs) not checked, not witnessed, not seen for what they're doing—the permanent realities they're creating. This is the one to look out for. That's what you can. So, you know, it may we all. I guess, by and large, we don't. We don't. We we seek good intentions. We don't say I'm going to be as nasty and malicious as possible. Greedy and compulsive. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I need this. I better have that. You know. And so it's sort of. But did you check it out? You know. That's the point. So our relationship is a little more pause, wait, don't know. Has to be that where there can be flow, can be change, flex. So the ending of karma is is the ending of intention, essentially. So you say, well, then surely you can't, as this person says. Well, how do you function? Well, when it all ends, you know, when the whole lot ends. You don't function. <laughs> you know, n- nirvana, the pure realization of nirvana, is just the ceasing of that. Of that it doesn't mean you're, you're dead. It means the functions can arise. So in some ways. Um, the, uh, the functioning can occur but the intentions that give rise to a sense of self and other so, it's a, so what's called the karma or the actions of an enlightened one are called karmically neutral they don't, they're just actions that have no sense of self doing them, compelled to do it yeah, and no sense of an other fixed thing does you know, the primal sympathy comes through instead there's just the resonance and the movement of awakening factors in response to felt, felt senses you know. so it's, it's a resonance and this is how of course as I was saying earlier in the retreat this is how why the Buddha teaches and how the Buddha teaches Buddha you know this person sitting under a tree has his great realisation thing. right you know, finished. I've got nothing more I need to do. I've got nothing I need to do. You could say it like that, it's, it's stopped. And then this sympathy, Kampa, arises, a sense of just widening perspectives on the world, you could say, <sighs> the world around, or the, the, recognizing the, the stressing and suffering in, in the field what it is this kind of these vortexes of confusion and pain, and also these glimmerings of light and clarity, you know. And then this sympathy arising. You know, just follow that. Just follow the sympathy. As the Buddha says, "I teach out of anukampa, out of this primal sympathy, the sense of the panging, the poignancy and the promise of the, the human realm just resonating with that. I don't think he sat under his tree and thought, let me see, Buddhism gets his pencil out, we we'll start with Four Noble, no, noble Truths, yeah, write that down, origination. he'll get that, you know, all that thing, get it all figured, then go out and teach it. I think he just thought, well, let's keep going, start walking. Who, who do you think is going to listen to this? So he thinks, well, I'll go and find my old teachers. They're dead. Okay. I'll find my old buddies. You know, we fell out but we did have something together, some bonding. So, you know, then going goes to see them and says, Look, you know, um, and just letting it arise. That's my sense of how that happened. I don't apparently didn't you know, when you read the story he didn't have the four noble truths worked out. The first person he met on the road, he just saw this person and the person said, Well, what are you? And he says, Well, I'm the enlightened, all conquering one, there's nobody more perfect than me. And like I yeah <laughs> Fine, you know, that's good for you, and walks off. So, I guess the Buddha wasn't lying, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really much of a teaching. <laughs> <laughs> but when he saw his old friends, you know, the kind of bedraggled ascetics, long hair, matted beards, and all that kind of stuff, ashes, skinny, ragged, and thought, gee, you know. Yeah. And this is. Look, there's some things you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so that's his opening teaching. There are things you shouldn't be doing. You know, the first thing you shouldn't be doing is indulgence. But the second thing you shouldn't be doing is asceticism. He just says, avoid these two extremes. And then just it's sort of coming out from there. They're just relating to these people. To yeah. so what was needed. What they knew already about indulgence. You've got to reach people where they're at. And also what they hadn't seen hadn't seen that their asceticism was, uh, you know, a, a, uh, a swing too far. They said just, you know. But essentially it's, it's that, I don't, you know, you didn't have a whole load of uh, ideas, or I've got to go out and do this, you know. The difference between arising joyfully from sympathy, that kind of energy and effort, from the obligation I got to get this sorted. I have got to get this done. It's a different different resonance. So we're looking that's that's the one we want to look for. So that that has a relational quality to it. And the relationship is is mutual. This is coming from my good side. This is coming from my free act, my free capacity to manifest sympathy through Kindness, through generosity, through, you know, through an action, through words. But for an enlightened one, there's no, there's no result. There's no, I did good there. There's no self being generated out, out of that. Nothing fixed and permanent. There's just the actions which are allowed to rise and dissolve. Whether anybody picks them up or not is up to them. So it's very free. So, so when karma finishes, you could intention becomes something that's much more uh, not coming from the me, I am sense, but just coming as a sympathetic resonance, responsive to that which arises. And this is what we're looking for every day, being a little bit Buddha-like around that which arises. Meeting, I was saying, meet what arises. Meet it, so that the contact impression is held with equanimity. So the the jittering and the fluttering and the, which is bound to happen, for many things we don't know. We want to know how is it supposed to be that that we just let that widen, soft, and find the place where that will cease, ceasing, and then there's just the meeting. The pausing, and then that which arises. Trust what arises, emerges. It doesn't come from self. That's what's so beautiful about it. The letting go does not come from self. It comes from something going. Oh, and then you think, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. It's kind of obvious. You think, why did I? How come I didn't see that? Hmm. To so our relationship to our bodies, to our pains, to our fellow humans, to our who we seem to be, to to our things that seem fixed. Yeah, which is the bit in this seeming stuckness? Which is the bit that could change in this seeming stuck pattern? Yeah, which is the bit that can change? My mind is is crazy. Yeah. How can I change it? My mind is confused, how can I make it better? Well, your mind isn't going to change before you do. <laughs> you know. So if we relate to that from a place of, minds are like this, the mind is like this. This is called the mind of confusion, it's, it's like this. You find the place, or the the mode, or the emotional place, or however you like to put it. It's very difficult to describe exactly, without making it too clunky. But there is a a place and an attitude that you can can rest at. Whereby you're not going into it, you're not going out of it. The minds are like this. The mind is like this because of causes and conditions because of input and habit because of sense contact because of vipaka, past karma Mm -hmm. that's why it's like this you don't control it so much as you understand it you know it as this and in the knowing of it as this there is a peacefulness there is a peacefulness in the knowing of the knowing of this the awareness of this that that's the, where the peace arises the missing piece and you look at that and maybe then some something dawns
0: yeah
1: right start to do changes in your life. Slow down a bit. You may turn your attention to something which gives you gladness and joy. You may just find yourself coming back into your breath or into your body. So the response will will occur. The thing that can release, the thing that can let go, essentially is the, the frustrated me sense. The, that lock, the I don't, know, you know, I don't know what to do. That position. Let's see if I've got anything else here. Yeah, when we encounter ill will, enmity from strangers or harmful friends and family. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like uh, blame, hurt comes, the impression touches, and then there's that uh, contact, wounding, and then we we remember that. We get caught in that. Is it possible to receive or to hear? Empty and find the place when we know the enmity is, is yours. I'm not picking it up. So the Buddha's example is: he's saying somebody was accusing and, and reviling him, and he said if somebody comes and gives you presents you with an offering and you don't pick it up and take it away, who does the offering belong to? Does it belong to you, or does it belong to the person who's offering it? And the guy says, well, if you don't pick it up, I guess it's still mine. You know, I'm trying to give it to you, and you don't pick it up, then if you don't pick it up, it must remain with me. And he says, well, exactly. So, I'm not picking up your abuse, you can have it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, where do we find... It's just an analogy, isn't it? That's just an example. Where we find that place where, with sympathy, we sense whatever behavioral energies are happening from you, they're still, they're still yours.
0: You know?
1: So, there again, the ceasing, it was called the ceasing of contact. It doesn't mean you don't hear it, but it's, uh, it's not, you don't pick it up, you don't generate it. I remember the anecdote of uh, in, a, in a, one of the monasteries uh, I think Wapapong and somebody this kind of rather hot-headed monk was kind of railing at the abbot about this and that and the other. this wasn't right and that wasn't right and this is proper and this is a disgrace and so and so and so and, so and you know the monastery is no good and the abbot was no good and, and you see the abbot was actually listening more and more carefully as he's being reviled and going oh dear This poor man (laughs) You know, he's really in a mess. (laughs) she's leaning into it like oh dear You (laughs) You know. And he said, Oh and he said later he said, Well, it's much better to be reviled than to revile somebody else. It's much better to be cursed and accused than to curse and accuse anybody else. There's no karma in that. <laughs> There's no karma in that. It's much better to do that, to just listen to somebody else's abuse than to do it back to someone. This is someone who has right view. <laughs> and not just has it as an idea, but has really penetrated, felt it, known it, realized it. So, as with all these uh, examples and teachings, you know they, sometimes it seems far off. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. But just the encouragement, it, the you begin the modest place where that you, you can reach, where something often an impression of yourself strikes you. I am the confused, the perpetually confused, the one who can't make it. And instead of oh no, you go. <laughs> oh, listen to that. <laughs> you know, I'm the tragic, the lost, the, the bewildered, the hopeless, and instead of going, yeah. You go, oh, listen to that. <laughs> oh, listen to that, Paul. Oh, listen to that. You know? So you're meeting it. yeah, you know? Meeting yourself. So when you meet yourself, you know there's no self that's that's the point of it, so with the uh you know the ceasing of contact, the ceasing of that felt meaning ceasing to be got by that ceasing to have your button pushed by that is the ceasing of karma, the ceasing of that volitional reaction to it, the ceasing of karma is the ceasing of the sense of self this is the ceasing of suffering is like this. You know, if you meditate if you with and contemplate and just kind of try and catch what you can of that, yeah, this little microcosm of a nugget of a teaching is that which covers everything in the world. Because it covers what you say, what you do, how you perceive, how hopeless you feel about it all. so you don't let the hopelessness take over. Don't get stuck in that. Now we do the good. Now we rise up. That's the way, by ending your own suffering, by ending your own karmic configurations, you're bound to be contributing to the blessing, the benefit of the world. This is why so I'll pause there. There's a question here about spiritual friends and I'll talk about that perhaps tomorrow. It's so essential. The really benevolent, the really helpful relationship. And I'll talk about that tomorrow. If there is a tomorrow. <laughs> so let's uh pause there and uh As you said, now it's time to do as you see fit.